Another day, another episode of the Igloo continuing with Feast Week. Thanksgiving was a pretty good day for the league all around, on both sides. Black Friday, eh, not so much, and I feel like that's apropos given, you know, we all go hard on Thanksgiving, stuffing our faces with stuffing, Thank, uh, turkey, corn, y- you name it, mashed potatoes, gravy, but yesterday was the hangover, especially if you drank a little for Thanksgiving Day. So, on the women's side on Friday, big upset in Fort Myers. DePaul upsets number 14, Maryland, and they did so by dropping 29 on the Terps in the fourth. I mean, you had a game where DePaul was still up to going into the fourth, and they were up convincingly at the break. Well, not convincingly. It was still an eight-point game. It was 35-27. So it was 47-45 going into the fourth. 92 points at that point. You had 51 in the fourth quarter. I mean, Grant, the funny thing is, like I saw some lines, you know, point spreads and... Over-unders for early season women's hoops games, but I guess they're not doing it now. But DePaul upsets number 14, Maryland. You know, they got off to a rough start, losing two of their first three. You know, they won the opener, lost two in a row. Now they've won two in a row, and against quality opponents, you know, they beat Miami on Sunday. Now they take down the number 14 team in the country, 76-67, Anissa Morrow back to her usual ways, a double-double, 22 points, 10 boards, 8 of 19 from the floor, 3 for 8 from deep. As a team, DePaul out-rebounds Maryland, 52-47. They knocked down 11 three-pointers on 30 attempts and shot 37% from the floor, whereas Maryland was just around 31.6% and 20% from deep, 6 for 29. Jory Allen... With a double-double, 10 points, 13 boards, 4 for 8 from the floor, knocked down her only 3-point attempt of the game. And Kendall Holmes came up big with 17 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 3 for 6 from deep. Darion Rogers had a dozen points to go with 5 boards and 9 assists. And However, she was just 3 for 16 from the floor, 2 of 10 from deep. Just two points for Anaya Peoples in 21 minutes. And in 29 minutes off the bench, Kiki Rimmer had 13 points and 12 boards. So three different Blue Demons with a double-double. Pretty darn impressive if you ask me. And she played 29 minutes, by the way. For the Terps, pretty well-balanced effort. Their leading scorer came off the bench. That was Cheyenne Sellers with 13 points, 5 boards, just 1 for 6 from deep, 5 of 11 from the field. 12 points, 10 boards, a double-double for Faith Masonius. I mean, this is a 5-guard lineup that the Terps were all out there. 11 points for Diamond Miller, 
who fouled out in this game. 3 for 12 from the floor, 1 of 5 from deep. Meanwhile, Abby Myers, 10 points, 4 for 12 from the floor, 2 for 6 from deep. 8 points from Elisa Pinzon, 3 for 6 from the floor, 2 for 4 from deep. And just a free throw from Lavender Briggs to round out the starters. Going back to the bench, 10 from Gia Cook, the freshman, 3 for 10 from the floor. In 20 minutes, they also got 2 points in 17 minutes from Brene Alexander. So, continuing on, uh, going to the Puerto Rico November Classico. Mississippi State taking on Georgetown. By the way, the Hoyas were up 2 at, at the end of the first. The rest of the way, their offense just basically disappeared. They scored 19 points in the final three quarters. 19 points, 30 minutes. You know what the rate would be for scoring if they played like that for all four quarters? They would have scored 25 points. But Mississippi State scored 51 in the final three quarters. They win it at 56, actually. So I did the math wrong. The 56 to 19 in the final three quarters. That's absurd. Bulldogs win 67-32. They got 19 on 9 of 12 shooting from Jessica Carter. I mean, she was the only player in double figures, but a well-balanced effort. Two different players with eight points. Three different players with five points. One player with four, two players with two, and then another player with a free throw knocked down. By the way, I mean, the shooting numbers for Georgetown in this game are abysmal. By the way, Mississippi State, 40% from the field, four for 16 from deep, that's 25%. Georgetown, oh my, sometimes you just struggle shooting the rock, and this, and sometimes it can get really bad. Georgetown was just one of 15 from deep in this one and shot just around 23% from the floor. And they didn't have a single player in double figures. Kennedy Fauntleroy had seven points. The freshman, three for six from the floor, one of two from deep. I mean, the fact that she shot 50%. Kind of a surprise compared to some of the other numbers you see. Grace Ann Bennett, six points on two of four shooting. Christina Moore also had six points, three for nine from the floor, 0 for three from behind the arc. Kelsey Ransom, I mean, she had 13 rebounds, like great. But from the field, one for 11 and 0 for three from deep. And then Jada Claude, just four points on two of seven shooting, 22 minutes. Ariel Jenkins tried to give him a boost. 19 minutes, 4 points, and 5 rebounds. But those are the only bench points that the Hoyas got. So with that loss, Georgetown falls to 3-2. and two. Mississippi State up to 5-1. and one. So in the first Big East game of the year, Number 16, Creighton taking on Xavier at the Cintas Center. You know, Xavier, albeit in a losing effort, they made a statement. They are not going to be a pushover. 
They and they kind of proved, you know, they're five and zero for a reason. That well, they were five and zero going into this game for a reason. Creighton got off to a great start. They led sixteen to eight after one, but Xavier scratched and clawed their way back. They got it down to three at the half. 28-25, and give Xavier credit. They held a really good Creighton offense to just 57 points. But in the end, Blue Jays win 57-51. So Xavier, far as I know, if they play like this on a consistent basis, I think they can really prove a lot of people wrong and finish out of the basement in the Big East, where they were picked preseason. I mean, last year they were second to last. I, I, I The way they played yesterday, they're going to win a good amount of games in this league if they challenge Creighton like that. But anyways, for the victors, 18 points on 6 of 14 shooting and 4 for 9 from behind the arc for Lauren Jensen. 16 for Morgan Molly. I mean, she was 6 of 13 from the floor, but 0 for 7 from behind the arc. So if I do the math correctly, she she went 6 for 6 inside the arc and went 0 for 7 in, outside of it. Very odd stat line. Molly Mogensen with 7 points, 8 boards, and 5 assists. Emma Ronzik, 6 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, but just one of seven from the floor and missed her only three-point attempt of the game. Carly Bachelor, 2.6 boards, one of eight shooting and 0 for 2 from deep. Mallory Break, 10 points off the bench, five, 10 minutes off the bench, rather, five points and three rebounds. And then in 15 minutes, Jamie Horan, just two points, five rebounds. Uh, for Xavier, though, encouraging to see three different players in double figures, 15 each from Fernanda Ovalle and Taylor Smith. Both of them went 5-for-12 from the floor. Smith was 2-for-7 from deep. Ovalle, 1-for-3. Michaela Scarlett fouled out, but she had 10 points and 6 assists in 29 minutes. 3-for-11 from the floor, 1-of-6 from deep. In 30 minutes, Kasia Woods off the bench had 7 points and 10 rebounds. Courtney Pranger went 2-of-7 from the field in 23 minutes, 4 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 block shots. And Anaya Harris was held scoreless in this one. I mean, neither team shot the ball particularly well. Crane was just 4 for 24 from deep. Xavier 5 for 22. So 16.7% for the Jays, 22.7% for the Muskies. And Xavier was under 30% from the floor. Creighton no better, no, not that much better at just 33.3%. So in the first biggest game of the year, the number 16 team in the land prevails. Moving on to the Friar Thanksgiving Classic. Hartford and Providence. Hartford 0-5 going into the day. And Providence, they, they hit the foot on the gas hard in the first quarter. They led 23-4. And from there, they pretty much cruised to an, to an easy win. 60-30, to 30, they double up the Hawks. Olivia Olsen with 17 points on 7 of 9 shooting. Only played 18 minutes in this one. I mean, you saw a lot of minutes for the bench. 
five players off the bench for Jim Crowley that all pl- played a bare at least 12 minutes, and he really switched up the lineup. Megan Herter was inserted into the lineup in this one as Grace Afosa came off the bench. Off the bench, speaking of, Logan Cook, the senior, and transfer from Iowa, had 10 points and 5 boards, 5 of 6 from the floor. And Kylie Shepard went 4 for 10 from the floor, 3 for 5 from deep. And that was only her second game of the season. I mean, she played the opener against Dayton and had been out for over two weeks, but comes back in this one, 15 minutes, 11 points for the sophomore from Cincinnati. Six points each for Megan Herter and Janae Crooms. Crooms, that was a rare off day for her. And Herter, by the way, I mean, she didn't really shoot the ball well. Just two for nine, all from behind the arc. Emily Archibald was held scoreless. Brent Farrell with just two points, six boards. Aubrey Koch, though. Audrey Koch, excuse me. I missed the... Got the letters wrong. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, She was two for three from the floor. Six points off the bench in 22 minutes. And then Grace of... Like I mentioned, great... I don't know if I did mention it. I probably forgot, but Grace Afosa, two points off the bench in 12 minutes. Uh, For the Hawks, their leading scorer only had six points, and that was Tatum Forbes, who was two for 10 from the floor. Two different players off the bench each had five, which were Paige Lofman and Zaya Minnis. Both of them just... Minnis specifically was two for 12. Forbes, by the way, was two for 10. They got four points from Nayeli Doubting. She was also two for ten from the field. I mean, they got a three from, let's see, Irene Primo. Three points in eight minutes from Kimalandra Nance. And then you had Elena Houghton with two points, nine boards. As a whole, I mean, a rough day. I mean, Providence out-rebounded Hartford 51-33. And they hold the Hawks under 20% inside the, I mean, from the field and from three. Three for 26 from deep. And they hold them to 19.7% from the field. Providence was just five of 24 for deep. I mean, it's 20, 21-ish percent. Inside the arc, 31 shots, they made 19 of them. It's pretty damn good. So Providence wins the first game of the Friar Thanksgiving Classic with ease. Now to the Paradise Jam, Seton Hall, after a disappointing loss to VCU, they bounce back with a win over Wisconsin in the second quarter killed the Pirates' chances against VCU. It's the other way around yesterday as they were plus eight in the second against the Badgers, 21-13. And that was enough to propel Seton Hall to the win, 
83-72, and that was a career day for Lauren Park Lane, who nearly broke the single-game scoring record for the Pirates with 37 points, 11 of 21 shooting, 3 for 9 from behind the arc. Some changes in the lineup. Sidney Cooks came off the bench, played 15 minutes, scored 9 points on 4 of 9 shooting, 1 for 3 from deep. Jayla Jordan was put into the lineup in her place, 11 points, 8 boards, 3 for 8 from the field, 2 for 5 from deep. And that provided a boost. Shalyn Hagens had six points in 30 minutes, two for three from the four, knocked down on only three points after the game. Maya Bembry, eight points, 10 boards in 38 minutes. In seven minutes as the starter, Shalyn Pinkney, the freshman, didn't score. But Amari Wright in 10 minutes had two points. So, pretty good day for the bench. 21 combined bench points compared to Wisconsin, who had only 10. Leading the way for the Badgers was Brooke Schrammick with 18 points on 7 of 13 shooting, 4 for 5 from deep, 16 each from Sarah Williams and Madison Wilkie. Wilkie struggled, though, just 1 of 7 from deep, 6 of 16 from the floor. 8 points from... From uh, Julie Pospisilova. Wait, no. I missed an I there. Pospisilova. And, you know, she fouled out, by the way. Leading scorer off the bench, six points from Sanaya Copeland. They also got a bucket from Ronnie Porter and then two different pl- two different players each knocked down a free throw. Looking at the numbers from deep, Seton Hall 7-23, 30%. Wisconsin 7-24, 29%. Badgers were also 42% from the field, whereas Seton Hall was right around just under 46%. Seton Hall also got to the line more, 20-25 of 25 from the charity stripe. Wisconsin 9-12, of 12, and the Pirates also turned, turned the Badgers over 17 times compared to committing 13 of their own. So the Pirates so far have split their games in the Virgin Islands. Moving on to the Gulf Coast Showcase in Florida. Number 23, Villanova taking a taking on a pretty good Belmont team. And Villanova was in control. They were up 13 at the half. It was 53-40. to 40. I mean, Belmont pushed the pace. And they pushed Villanova quite a bit. They never led. But they made it a game. And Villanova holds on to win 83-80 to advance to the semifinals in this tournament. Where I'll get to it later on. They'll get number 21 Baylor. Maddie Segrist continues her just rampage of scoring. 29 points, 10 of 15 from the floor, 3 for 4 from deep. Lucy Olsen came up big, though, in 37 minutes, 20 points, 4 assists, 8 of 14 from the floor, 1 of 2 from deep. And Maddie Burke, her 3-point shooting was instrumental in the win, too. 11 points, 4 of 8 from the floor, 3 for 6 from behind the arc. 8 points each from Christina Dalsey and Bella Runyon, the latter which came off the bench, and she played 27 huge minutes off the bench, 3 for 6 from the floor, 1 of 3 from deep. They also got a three off the bench from Caitlin Oriole and a bucket from Anahi Lee Cauley. 
And Brooke Mullen, two points, five assists. Villanova shot the lights out in this one. 55.6% from the field. 9 of 18 from D for an even 15%. So inside the arc, they were 21 of 36. That is a very solid 58% inside the arc. As for the Bruins, 24 to lead the way from Sidney Harvey. 9 of 16 from the floor, 6 for 10 from deep. 16 each from Tootie Jones and Destiny Wells. 10 points from Madison Bartley, who fouled out, played just 21 minutes, 3 of 8 from the floor, knocked down an only 3-point attempt of the game. They also got 6 from Nikki Baird. So Villanova's bench proves to be a difference maker. 13 points for the bench for Nova, just 8 for Belmont. And five of them were courtesy of Tessa Miller in 23 minutes, five points. In 20 minutes, they only got two points out of Killen McGuff, all from the free throw line. They also got a free throw from Kate Holyfield. Belmont, 10 three-pointers on 20 attempts. 25 of 51 from the field, that's 49%. So Villanova on to the semifinals again where they're going to face Baylor. In the FAU Thanksgiving Classic, Butler taking on Sacred Heart, and Butler continuing the momentum that they developed earlier in the week when they beat Tennessee State. They were up six at the break, 29-23, but they blow it open in the second half, holding the Pioneers to just 16 points while scoring 35 of their own. They win it 64-39 with Jessica Carruthers, the freshman, Leading the way with 17 points off the bench in 17 minutes. Six to seven from the floor, knocked down her only three point attempt of the ball game. And Caroline Strand with 12 points of her own in 18 minutes off the bench. Four for four from the floor and with two for two from deep. I mean, the bench made a huge difference in this game. Just 29, 29 points from just those two players. Sacred Hearts bench combined for just seven points total. Kelsey Taylor at five for the Dogs, continuing with the bench. They also got two from Madison Royal Davis and a free throw from Kendall Wingler. As for the starters, Anna Mortog with eight points and 11 boards. Six each from Sydney Janes and Rachel McLemore. Five from Shea Frederick, who was one for six from the floor, one of five from deep. So not a great shooting day for the Valpo transfer. And then you had the Another freshman, Jordan Muehlmans, with with two points in 25 minutes. 5 of 16 from deep. 44% from the field at 23 for 52. So they were at even 50% inside the arc, 18 of 36. Also, our rebounded Sacred Heart, 48-35, held him to just 3 of 22 from deep. Six of 16 of 60 from the field. Leading the way for the Pioneers, 13 from... Olivia Tucker, double-double for Nysierra Pryor, who had hit the minimum to get the double-double. 10 points, 10 boards, just 5 of 16 from the floor. 6 points from Amelia Wood. 4 points off the bench from Sierra Johnson. Just 3 points for... 
Sajada Bonner. They hold their center Kelsey Kelsey Wood scoreless in 18 minutes. And back to the bench, two points for Carly Stromel and a free throw from Walisha Jackson. So Butler wins their opener down in Boca Raton. Now to the Phil Knight Legacy Women's Tournament. Round one from the Child Center on the campus of the University of Portland. UConn, I mean, listen, they dominate Duke. And they did so, I mean, they were really especially dominant in the fourth. They just had, they were clicking on all cylinders. You know, the first half, Nika Mule dropped a nasty dime. No luck to Aubrey Griffin. And then Aaliyah Edwards had a highlight play where she got a steal. And then little, little no looky, no, little uh, shovel. I wasn't, I think she was trying to go for the no look. But I mean, she had everyone fooled by, uh, Dishing it to Caroline Ducharme for the easy bucket to force a Duke timeout. Final 78-50 the final in Portland to hand Duke their first loss. Lou Lopez-Senecal, 23 points, 8 of 13 from the floor, 4 for 5 from deep. Aliyah Edwards, 17 points, 11 rebounds, double-double for the Canadian and Kingston native. Six of eight from the floor, three assists as well. AZ Fudd, her lowest scoring game of the season, but at this point, who cares? Six of 13 from the floor, two for three from deep. At the end of the day, winning is all that matters. So just 14 for Fudd. I mean, bad news, it drops her scoring average down to just 26 a game, but I mean, there's no shame in that. I mean, 26 a night's pretty damn good no matter what. And and 14 still is pretty good in the game. 8.6 boards from Aubrey Griffin. Nika Mule, the nation's leading, the nation leader in assists on the women's side. 6.6 boards, 10 assists. And then off the bench, they got 6 from Ayanna Patterson and 4 from Caroline Ducharme. And Ducharme, by the way, played 22 minutes. Dominant effort for the Huskies on the glass, 42-26. And they shot it really well from the field. Nearly 51% from the floor. 6 of 13 from deep, that's 46%. And they hold the Dukies to just 25% from deep, 6 of 24 and 19 of 58 from the floor. Leading the way for the Devils. Cheyenne Day Wilson had 17 points on 6 of 14 shooting and 3 for 7 from deep. 13 off the bench from Elizabeth Bologin. And she played 31 minutes. By the way, I saw an interesting graphic in this game. Duke, out of their 16 players on the roster, 11 of them are transfers. So, Day Wilson and Bologin combined for 30 of their 50. They also got six points off the bench from Ashlyn Jackson, who got all of her points from behind the arc where she was two for four. She was two for six overall. Four points each from Celeste Taylor and... Mia Heidi, by the way, Taylor really struggled. Two for 14 from the floor. 
0 for 5 from deep. Also got three points from Kennedy Brown. A two in just nine minutes for Lee Volker. And a free throw off the bench from Regan Richardson. So the Huskies are on to the championship of the Phil Knight Legacy. And they will take on Caitlin Clark in Iowa Sunday at the Moda Center. Meanwhile, in the Las Vegas Invitational, I mean, listen. It's a shame. I mean, they're. I said, like, oh, it's cool that they're playing at the Mirage. Like, that's the good news. You're playing at a notable Vegas hotel. The bad news, they're playing in a freaking conference room. Like, you can make the argument like, oh, they play in a ballroom in the Bahamas for Battle for Atlantis. Yeah, but they convert it into a legitimate arena. They're legit. I mean, if you saw, if you seen the pictures on either Context Free, CBB, Sicko's Committee quote tweeted it, and Barstool tweeted a picture of it. That's a conference room. And it sure as hell ain't a ballroom because of how it's laid out and the carpeting and all that stuff. That's not a ballroom. That's a conference room. And you got some of the best teams in the country playing there. Like, Indiana's the number six team in the country. And they're playing in a ballroom? In a conference room? Come on. Come on. We got to be better than this. Anyways, Memphis led 12-11 after one, but St. John's remained unbeaten. Partially due to a big second quarter where they outscored the Tigers 20-12. Funny thing is, they got outscored every other quarter except the second, but that was enough. St. John's wins 61-57. Jayla Everett, 16 points, but just 3 of 13 shooting, 1 of 4 from deep. 9 for 9 for the free throw line, though, and that was a big difference maker. Each team took 29 free throws, but St. John's made 24 of them compared to 18 for Memphis. That's pro- that's the probably the game right there. 12 from Kadeja Bailey on 6 of 13 shooting. 9, nine points, 10 boards for the Georgetown transfer Jillian Archer. 8 points, 4 assists for Mimi Reed, who, by the way, eclipsed 500 career assists in this game. Nine points off the bench in 27 minutes from Unique Drake. Three for six from the floor, two for three from deep. She might be the best bench player in the conference. I really believe that. Four points, eight boards off the bench in 15 minutes from Danielle Patterson. And then they got three points and seven boards from Raven Peoples in 25 minutes. Each team was three for 13 from deep. And the field goal percentage, not that big a difference. 17 for 47 for St. John's, 18 of 50 for Memphis, and percentage points-wise, just .2 off overall. Leading the way for the Tigers was Amani Jefferson with 14 points and 6 rebounds. 11 points for Jamira Schutz, who was just 3 for 12 from the floor in 30 minutes. 8 points from Madison Griggs. Off the bench, 17 minutes and 6 points for Shelby Brown. Also 6 points for Destiny Thomas. Off the bench, she played 19 minutes. It was 2-for-2 two two from the floor, 2-for-2 two two from the line, 4 rebounds, and 7 points off the bench from Destine Jackson. It might it might be pronounced Destiny for all I know, but it's not spelled like the normal spelling. 
Two different players each with two points, and then their starting center, Jada Wright, was held scoreless in eight minutes. And, and she fouled out. So St. John's remains unbeaten, improving to 5-0 and with their next game and final game in Las Vegas coming up today against UTSA, the Roadrunners, which I've already made my prediction for. So, yesterday on the men's side, not a good day for the league. DePaul hosting a Black Friday matinee with Texas A&M. DePaul dug themselves into a hole. Double-digit deficit going into the half. I mean, they tried to make it a game in the second half, but they were shorthanded. They just run out of gas. Texas A&M wins 82-66. DePaul now has lost three in a row. 31 points to lead the way for Tyrese Radford. 8 of 11 from the field. 4 for 5 from behind the arc. 5 boards as well. 12 points from Henry Coleman the third, 6 dimes. on five, And also was 5 of 8 shooting. How about 21 off the bench from Wade Taylor the fourth, 5 assists. 7 of 14 from the floor. 3 for 7 from deep. 6 points each from Dexter Dennis. And... Manny Obaseki. And then three points each from Anderson Garcia and Julius Marble. AM, 45.5% from the floor compared to DePaul, who was just under 34%. And they were also 28% from deep at 7 for 25 compared to Texas A&M. Same amount of threes, but on four fewer attempts. Leading the way for the Demons, 21 and 10 boards from Errol Penn. 7 of 13 from the floor, knocked down his only three-point attempt of the game. 13 from Emoja Gibson to go with 10 assists, so he got a double-double of his own. 3 for 8 from deep, but 0 for 7 inside the arc. 10 points each from Javon Johnson, who fouled out in 29 minutes. Just 2 of 7 from deep, 0 for 3 inside the arc to finish 2 for 10. Ahmad Bynum also fouled out, played 17 minutes off the bench to score those 10 points. It was 2 for 7 from the floor. 6 of 8 from the free throw line, though. 6 points for Deshaun Nelson. And then off the bench, Jalen Terry, 9 minutes, 3 points. And then they also got a 3 from Philmont Geberwitt. So, tough way for DePaul to continue their struggles. Again, 3 losses in a row now after that 3-0 star, which included... Quality road win over Minnesota. Well, not quality. I mean, the fe- just winning a road game is what matters here. But again, DePaul's just really shorthanded. So they're going to go through some growing pains. Speaking of growing pains, Villanova lost to Portland yesterday. Portland. So I saw this tweet, by the way. Sure, you could attribute Villanova struggles to not having Justin Moore and Cam Whitmore. But the defensive metrics, as pointed out by, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but I remember seeing this tweet that the defense proved to be the bigger elephant in the room to address. Because everyone knows about... Lacking more and Whitmore. Everybody knows that. 
but the defensive metrics do not favor them. They're like one of the 100, they're in, within the bottom 100 in Division One as one of the worst defensive teams in the country based on the metrics. And Portland carved them up and won by 12. By 12. 56% from the floor, nearly 46% from deep on 11 of 24. So inside the arc, they were 16 of 24. I mean, Villanova didn't turn it over as much. Like, okay. But when you shoot 9 of 41 from deep, you're not going to win a lot of games. Especially when you defend as poorly as they did. And committing more fouls. 25 to 17 was the foul margin. Leading the way for the Pilots. 16 from Moses Wood. They got 15 from Tyler Robertson. 14 from Christian Scholand. And then 10 off the bench from Vasiliji Vucinich. And 8 points from Alden Applewhite. Oh, and 9 points back to the bench from Juan Sebastian Gorosito, who is 3 for 5 from deep. So they got 27 combined points from the bench. I mean, also want to mention 9 points for Jack Perry, 2 for 3 from deep, 2 for 4 from the floor. And then in just 10 minutes, 2 points from and I'm trying to get it right. Let's see. Aha. Joey St. Pierre, their center. So 27 combined bench points for Portland. Compare that to Villanova. I mean, I credit Kyle Neptune for playing his bench more minutes, giving more minutes to his bench. I mean, granted, he might not have had a choice because of foul trouble, but 15 combined points from the bench and the trio of Armstrong, Housen, and Brizzy each played 10-plus minutes. Housen and Brizzy each with 17. Armstrong with 18. Armstrong in 9 points. Brizzy with 4. Housen with 2. The, the last two, they got all their points, points from the free throw line. And were a combined 0 of 7 from the floor and 0 for 6 from deep. So, 18 points from Caleb Daniels to lead the way, although he did foul out. 7 boards, 7 of 14 shooting, 3 for 8 from deep. Jordan Longino, 14 points. 11 points in 19 minutes for Brandon Slater, who is in foul trouble. And then Eric Dixon, tough day for the big man. 10 points, 7 boards on 2 of it, two of 10 shooting, 1 for 6 from deep. So Villanova's now in the 7th place game on Sunday against Oregon. If they leave Oregon, if they leave Portland 0-3 and 2-5 and overall, I guess now is not... Will will it be okay then to hit the panic button? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, my big upset pick didn't really go to plan as Xavier taking on number eight Duke. I mean, Xavier looked good early on. They had a lead by as many as, I mean, granted it was four points, but I mean, Xavier still led for, I mean, they had the early lead. You know, Xavier went on their run and got out to a 25-21 lead after a Jack Nungy 3. But the rest of the first half, it was pretty much all Duke. 
it was 19 to 9 the final seven minutes and change. And that was just something that Xavier couldn't dig themselves out of as Duke moves on to the final of that bracket in Portland. So they win it at the Moda Center, 71-64. Leading the way for the Blue Devils, Jeremy Roach with 21 points, a, a team high, 9 of 15 from the floor, 2 for 4 from deep, 5 assists. 16 from Mark Mitchell, who is getting a lot of easy dunks. 16 points, 5 boards. Kyle Filipowski with 12 points, 4 of 10 shooting, 1 of 2 from deep. The bench was really good for the Blue Demons. They combined 20 points, 8 from Ryan Young, 5 each from Derek Whitehead, and Whitehead, that was his second game of the season. Unless I'm missing, yeah, I, I am missing something. Well, it's fourth game of the season. Excuse me. So, my bad. And they also got five from Jalen Blakes. And a bucket from Jacob Grandison. Tyrese Proctor was held scoreless. And they only got two points from their starting center, Derek Lively. But to their credit, Duke was 5'11 from deep. At around 45%. And shot an even 50% from the field at 27 of 54 Xavier was 7 of 17 from deeps, 41%, but inside the arc, they were worse, going 13 of 35 to finish at 38.5% from the floor. Sule Boom leads the way with 23 points, 12 from Adam Kunkel in 18 minutes as he was battling foul trouble, 10 points for Colby Jones, 4 of 9 from the field, 2 of 2 from deep. It seems like he was, he's still not in great condition as he was limping around a little bit. Jack Nunji, that three I mentioned that put him up four for their biggest lead of the game, that was his only make of the game. One of six from deep, one of 13 from the floor, two for two from the free throw line, just five, and five rebounds as well. Zach Fremantle, not a good night for him. Four points, five rebounds in 19 minutes. Just 10 combined bench points, five from Desmond Claude. And Kiki Tandy knocked down a three in 18 minutes. They also got two points from Jerome Hunter. So Xavier now in the third place game, and after a shocking upset after Purdue smacked Gonzaga, it'll be the Muskies and the Zags. For the third for third place in that bracket. So Xavier couldn't avenge 2004, but can they avenge 2017 on Sunday? I'll make my prediction for that in a little bit. Now, to the ESPN Events Invitational Seton Hall coming off that big buzzer beater win against Memphis. Just didn't have the same level of fight against Oklahoma. Oklahoma went on a big run to go up at halftime. Granted, Seton Hall got it down to one of the break. And it was back and forth in the early goings of the second half. And by the way, the first few minutes of the second half turned into a fucking ref show, which you hate to see. Because like you don't want to see the game become about the refs. You want it to be about the game on the court. But a monster second half run propels Oklahoma to victory. But I mean, let me let me just go back to like what was the most important part. Like Seen Hall's last lead uh, so by the okay let me just go back to this right at the under four media timeout it was 66 59 
Odukale makes one of two, 66-60, and then Oklahoma just wipes the floor with them and goes on and, and scores nine unanswered. And Seton Hall wouldn't score again until, what, 40 seconds left in the game? So they went well over three minutes without scoring a bucket. And that's that's where Oklahoma wins the game. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's where they win the game. I mean, I was watching the game, and as a Seton Hall alum, I got so pissed off that once Tanner Groves knocked down a three to make it a 13-point game, I'm like, nope, I'm done with this shit. I'm turning it off. Oklahoma wins 77-64 as Grant Shurfield drops a career-high 25 points, 9 of 17 from the floor, 3 for 5 from deep. I think if you're Seton Hall, you got to be embarrassed to let the Sooners shoot. Make, make, by the way, they made 10 three-pointers on 20 attempts. That's an even 50%. And then they shot nearly 52% from the floor. If you're Seton Hall, you got to be embarrassed by that kind of defensive effort. They also gave up 12 off the bench to Sam Godwin, the junior Oklahoma native. Six of eight from the floor, six rebounds. And they also got 10 each from Jalen Hill and Jacob Groves. Who Jacob was three for five, all from deep. And then Tanner Groves, he didn't score till the second half. He only played 15 minutes because he was in foul trouble and he actually did foul out. But he was three for six from the floor, two for four from deep, and five rebounds. And again, he hit that three that, like, again, it pissed me off so much I turned the TV off. Meanwhile, you got. Bijan Cortez, lettuce and all, in 14 minutes, 5 points, 2 for 4 from the floor, knocked down his only 3-point attempt of the game. They also got 4 points from Milos Uzan, who also had 5 assists off the bench. And they also got just 3 points from C.J. Noland in 23 minutes. As for the Pirates, just 5 of 13 from deep, 38.5%, 44% from the field, at 23 of 52. I mean, the turnovers, the turnover, the turnover margin, Oklahoma was committed just eight, Seton Hall 14. Alamir Dawes leads the way, four for five from deep, but just four of eight from the field. Ten points each from Casey and Defo to go with five rebounds, and then Dre Davis off the bench had ten points, played only 18 minutes. I'm going to get to some of the minutes allotments you're going to hear here. Femi Odukale, 27 minutes, 7 points, 3 boards, 3 assists. Kadari Richmond, 5 points, 7 boards, 5 assists, 2 for 7 from the floor. Let's be real. He has not looked anywhere near the level of the kind of guy you would expect to be on the All-Big East preseason second team. They also got 7 each from Trey Jackson and Jameer Harris. Jackson was in foul trouble, played 16 minutes. Okay, understandable. But he was 5 for 6 from the free throw line, so there's that. Harris in 21 minutes, 3 for 6 from the floor, 1 of 3 from deep. Tyree Samuel, 6 points, 4 rebounds in just 16 minutes, 3 for 8 from the floor. And then Tay Davis played 14 minutes, didn't score. So, in this scene group chat I'm in, they make a valid point. They got... Shaw, I know he's making adjustments. He's still trying to learn how to coach at this particular level, a much higher level than he was at St. Peter's. But 
he's got to learn how to give more minutes to the guys that deserve to be on the floor the most. Like, Tate Davis shouldn't be playing 14 minutes. Dre deserved play, to play more than 18 minutes. I don't know if Femi Odukale deserves to play 27 minutes. And the the way he made some of these changes, like, like wholesale line changes, like it's hockey. It's not going to cut it. More importantly, the bigger bone to pick, this team has a lot of guys who could be offensive weapons and they're talented, and their offense just against these good teams. Like, I mean, they dropped, they scored 70 on Memphis. Like, okay, good. But against Iowa and Oklahoma, their defense faltered, and their offense couldn't help them. So instead of facing an undefeated Ole Miss for the title Sunday, now they got to settle to play Sienna in the third place game. Granted, it's November, and it's not really going to matter that much in the grand scheme of things. Maybe the Oklahoma loss will age better, but Oklahoma still looks like a sec- like bottom half Big 12 team. But yeah, not how you wanted that game to go for Seton Hall. Now you got to face Sienna instead of Ole Miss. You know, shit happens. Meanwhile, number 20 UConn taking on number 18 Alabama in a semifinal game in the Phil Knight Invitational. UConn, I mean, they came out swinging and they were kicking Alabama's ass, but Bama crept back in when they got down to five going into the locker room. I mean, there was some chippiness towards the end of the half. And by the way, I mean, the refs were awarding flopping, which by the way, it sucks that I'm... Offering this criticism because DJ Carsonson, who I personally know, was on was part of the officiating crew in this one. And then Nate Oates picked up a tee in the second half because there was you could argue maybe there was a flop that UConn committed as his player, you know, was trying to drive, you know, there there might there's probably contact. And a UConn player, you know, dropped. No call. They play on. And then UConn, you know, they get the ball back. And Nate Oates is barking. He gets teed up. And by the way, John Crispin, analyst for ESPN at halftime, nailed it on the head. Why even put the flopping rule in place if you're going to reward it instead of call players out on it? He, he made a point. He's right. But anyways, UConn, after the... I mean, not I don't, it's not corresponding, but again, they're up five when that T happens. And the Huskies just rallied in the second half, and they end up looking like the team that went on the big run in the first half. They went 82-67 to advance to the final against an Iowa State team, by the way, that upset number one North Carolina earlier in the day. Adama Sonogo, 25 points, 9 of 16 from the floor, 1 for 4 from deep. And a couple block shots, 16 from Jordan Hawkins, 5 for six, five of 10 from the floor, 3 for 6 from behind the arc, a dozen for Alex Caraban, 4 of 7 shooting, 2 for 3 from deep, 3 boards and 4 assists. Joey Calcaterra, 10 points off the bench, 3 for 4 from the floor, knocked down both 3-point attempts that he took in 18 minutes. 
They also got nine from Tristan Newton to go with eight assists. One of two from deep. Oh, four inside the arc, though. Naheem Aline was held scoreless in 13 minutes. And they got four points each from Andre Jackson and Donovan Klingen. Klingen, two for two, five rebounds. Uh, Jackson had seven rebounds. It was just two for eight from the floor, 0 for four from deep in 27 minutes. And, oh, yeah, and they also got a couple of free throws from Hassan Diara in 15 minutes. As for the Crimson Tide, 18 to lead the way from Brandon Miller, the freshman. 5 of 15 from the floor, 3 for 6 from deep, 9 rebounds. 12 off the bench from Jaden Bradley, another freshman from Rochester, upstate. I see you, 585. 4 assists as well. Uh, back to the starters, 9 points from Noah Clowney. I mean, this is a young Bama team. I mean, first three guys are listed all freshmen. Eight points from Mark Sears. Five rebounds as well in 35 minutes. Six points from Namari Burnett. Three points from their center, Charles Bediaco. And then back to the bench, Javon Quinterly, former Villanova Wildcat, just 16 minutes. Three points, one of six from the floor. Uh, They also got six points from Ryland Griffin. Perfect from the floor, two for two. Again, all those points came from behind the arc. And then two points from Noah Gurley. So UConn, again, they're going to the final in this tournament. And they look like a wagon right now. They look like... Well, now I think there's distinction. Creighton and UConn are the top two teams in the Big East right now, bar none. Now, last game of the night. ESPN2, just lovely. Butler, NC State in the Manny Bates Bowl slash Tyler Lewis Bowl. And it's NC State who wins. Again, they used a big first half to boost them to a victory. They were up 35-22 at the break, led by as many as 20. And they went 76-61. Pretty well-balanced effort for the Wolfpack. Five different players in double figures. Jarkel Joyner with 15 14 off the bench from DJ Burns. 13 from Dusan Mahorshic. 10 points from Turquavion Smith. Five boards, five assists as well. 10 points, eight rebounds from Jack Clark. Four of nine from the floor, two for four from deep. Cameron Morse, Casey Morsell, eight points, two of five from the floor, one of three from deep, and then back to the bench. Four points from Breon Pass and two points from Ernest Ross. And Butler, they only got they weren't aggressive in this game. Just three for four from the they only got to take four free throws. Three for four. NC State, 13 for 16. Butler leading the way. Chuck Harris with 20 points, 9 of 18 shooting, 1 of 5 from deep. Jaden Taylor, 18 points, 7 of 16 shooting, 2 for 8 from deep. They also got 12 from Eric Hunter Jr., 5, 5 9 from the floor, 2 for 3 from deep. Eight points for Manny Bates against his former team and nine rebounds. Four of 11 shooting, though. Misses only three-point attempt. And then Seamus Lukosius only got three points on a three. Seven boards, four assists. It was one for seven overall. So Butler, I mean, one and two record. At least they got a win in this tournament. But, I mean, they would have much preferred to beat NC State in this one and leave the Bahamas with a winning record. So they fall to four and three, NC State. Now 6-1 and one with their only loss of the season coming in this tournament against Kansas. 
So I've already made my picks for Saturday. I mean, it's pretty evident. I was going to pick Georgetown beating UMBC, St. John's over Niagara, Providence over Columbia, Marquette over Chicago State. By the way, this already went final. Georgetown beat UMBC. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Niagara St. John's underway. It's early. So Sunday predictions, just to do them quick. Villanova, Oregon. I think if you're Villanova, you got to show some urgency. You're playing Oregon in Portland, 3 Eastern ESPN 2. You don't want to leave 0-3. I think Villanova gets it done, but if they lose to Oregon and leave Portland 0-3, they're in big trouble. Then, then you could probably hit the panic button. Third place game of the ESPN Events Invitational, 5 Eastern ESPN 2. I think Seton Hall bounces back against Siena. You want to be in the final against Ole Miss, but still, you're going to be 2-1. and one. Third place finish, you got to like it, but again, you would have much rather wanted to win the whole damn thing. Now, third place game, speaking of, in the Phil Knight legacy, Xavier taking on number six, Gonzaga, who, by the way, got whacked by Purdue. Still a number 24 team in the country last night. I think Gonzaga bounces back and beats Xavier. I know it's going to suck going back one and two on the weekend, but at least the two teams they lost to were quality opponents in Duke and Gonzaga. But I think the big winner for the weekend will be UConn. By the way, it's bullshit to see Iowa State favored by the BPI. UConn's the better team. And UConn's going to win this game. I know Iowa State just knocked off the number one team in the country. But that North Carolina team's overrated as hell. There's, it shouldn't be a surprise that they were being challenged by teams like Gardner-Webb. I think they played Gardner-Webb, right? Yeah, but... They won by six against Gardner-Webb. They gave up 86 to Charleston. You want to see Wilmington challenge them? James Madison challenged them? And they almost lost to Portland. So how the hell is Iowa State favored by the BPI in this game? It's bullshit. So you know what? UConn, I'm on your side. Do this for the horny Big East and win this game. They're also... 7-0 seven, seven on the season, 6-0-1 oh against the spread. Great teams win. No, good teams win. Great teams cover. UConn wins. I'm eager to see what that point spread's going to be tomorrow. I'm really eager. As far as, I think UConn, I think it's a maybe 5. I think the margin of victory is going to be 5, or the spread's going to be 5. One or the other. Now, on to... Other, um, the, so the only, by the way, Georgetown high point in Puerto Rico won final. Georgetown won by seven. Talk more about that tomorrow. So the only game where there is a change, I think, I think Providence is going to win the win every game in the Friday Thanksgiving Classic. Now I got St. John's beating UTSA. Georgia beats Seton Hall in, in all likelihood. And I got a minute to go before I wrap this up. I got Butler beating Binghamton. DePaul over Pitt. St. John's over UTSA. And then I think Baylor is barely going to get by Villanova. I mean, they they dominated St. Louis, but St. Louis isn't good. Villanova's been challenged. They beat Princeton. They beat a solid Belmont team, which is a really good mid-major. They're going to be up to the task of playing Baylor, but I think Baylor ends up winning this game to give Villanova their first loss of the season. But either way, they're going to get a good opponent, whether it be in the championship or the third-place game, because they're either going to get South Florida or Michigan. For the narrative, I want to see them play Michigan in the final and get beat them to get revenge and leave Florida with a championship for this tournament. But if not, you want to go 2-1, and one, no matter what, whether that be 
winning the whole thing, finishing second or third, that's what you got to do if you're Denise Dillon on the Wildcats. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning into the Igloo. Catch in with you, check up with you tomorrow. Enjoy the day of games.